is up people we are back it's been a long break we have a great show for you sitting in section 312 we talked to the president of rmp wrestling out in colorado we talk march madness the tourney baseball season is upon us the nba is coming to a close and the blackhawks are not officially done yet stay tuned we have a great show for you let's go Today's show is brought uh, brought to you by Fast Money Lifestyle. You can follow uh, for all the merch and tour drops at fastmoneylifestyleclothing.com. Go follow Fast Money underscore Sean on Instagram. He's the owner of the brand. You can also look up Fast Money OJ. It's where you can find new uh, tour dates and merchandise. And he's an upcoming artist. Go check him out, fastmoneylifestyleclothing.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by The Closet. The Closet is a designer store it's with bunch of clothes tommy hill figure polo ralph lauren open from tuesdays through saturdays 11 a.m to 7 p.m go check them out 606 south illinois avenue in carbondale illinois on the strip it's the best deals around they get new merchandise every single week all right those are our sponsors for our show it's feels good to sit back in section 312 we got a lot to talk about today And I want to start off right away. I don't know if you watched last night, Drew, but the Nurkic uh, and the Trailblazers versus the Brooklyn Nets. Did you see the video? Dude, I I saw the video. Okay, so fun fact here. I watched the Kevin Ware injury. I watched the Paul George injury. And I watched the Hayward injury. And the Ware one, I a little bit went, like, kind of had that, oh, moment. I watched that video and I watched that shit up close, and this is the first time I've ever, like, screamed watching a video. Like, Bruh's knee was at a 45, or Bruh's shin was at a 45-degree angle from his foot. Compound fractures in the tibia and fibia, dude, his leg is fucked. Oh, is that what it was? I saw that it was a multiple uh, compound fracture. I didn't know what it was, and he had surgery, and they said it was going to be fine. But yeah. that shit was crazy. I was watching the live game on TV, and it snapped. I was like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you see the reaction for some of the Nets players? Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, they, they like, sprinted away. Yeah, that's how you know it's bad. Oh, my gosh. The whole crowd was chanting Nurkic, Nurkic. You know, it was crazy. But we do send our prayers that way. We wish him the best. It was a brutal, gruesome injury. And he'll come back better than ever. Hopefully better than Gordon Hayward, but he'll come back. Well, I mean, you know, the cool thing is that, like, at least, like, thoughts and prayers, obviously, to JN, man, that sucks, you know, hopefully get well soon, big guy, but, I mean, the good thing is, at least, you know, if you're going to break it, he didn't blow out any ligaments, he didn't blow out any tendons, it just seems like it's the bones, so that tends to go a little bit quicker, but, uh, yeah, did you see the conspiracy with the ref, where, like, the ref just kind of, like, nicked his leg, like, tripped over him as he was, like, laying on the ground with the fresh broken, yep, 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 I'm just breaking this news right now. bone? Yeah, he like, uh, well, he didn't hit the bone. He like, if you go back and watch the video, a lot of people get mad at the refs because uh, the ref like tried to step over him and like clipped his like toe, but like it shook his ankle and like it definitely like didn't hurt or didn't feel good. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Bet, uh, I know he couldn't feel it anyway, because when I personally, when I was back in middle school, I snapped my arm completely in half like a twig, and I just remember blacking out. I don't remember feeling any pain. I remember trying to get up off the wrestling mat and seeing my arm laying on the ground there as I was trying to get up. I was like, what the fuck? And yeah. then I 
and then I woke up in the hospital. But apparently my father got on video and you could hear the snap throughout the entire gym. I don't remember anything except from the mat to the hospital. Dude, if you if you listen to the the Nurk, uh, the Nurkic footage, you can hear it pop. Yeah, I'm sure that's crazy. But the whole the whole arena was chanting MVP MVP, which leads us into our next topic. James Harden, is it a lockdown? Is he going to win the MVP? It's looking like it, man. I mean, I think Paul George was in it for a while. I think you know Giannis is a factor. Giannis was my dark horse actually at the beginning of the year. Um, that's that's something that I wanted you to bring up because I have the numbers right here. Okay. First off, James Harden and the Rockets are forty-seven and twenty-seven on the year, and the Bucks are fifty-five and nineteen. Okay, I know that doesn't really factor into who gets the MVP because we saw Derrick Rose win it that year over LeBron James, but. What I want to tell you now is the points per game, Giannis is averaging 27.4, Harden's averaging 36.4. The rebounds, Harden's averaging 6.4, and Giannis is averaging 12.6. The assists are about about equal. Giannis is averaging 6 exactly, and James is averaging 7.5. But just from freak athleticism or getting to the free throw line and just doing nothing but step back threes, I, I don't know who who more deservingly wins this year's MVP? You know, I think there's knocks on both guys, right? So we'll start out with kind of the bad. I think, I think Harden's defense is relatively lackluster. I think he's kind of uh, more of a one way. His defense has been getting better, but I still think, you know, comparing the defenses, Giannis plays better defense, but I think Giannis is a way worse shooter. I mean, well, it's evident that Giannis isn't the shooter that Harden is. I think in terms of like value to the team though, I think, uh, I think I got to go with Giannis. I think Giannis is more important to the Bucs. I think Giannis makes the Bucs run. He gives them life. I think, I don't know. I mean, Harden picked up, man, when Chris Paul went down, he picked up the slack. But I think I got to go with Giannis, uh, kind of rep for Milwaukee. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to go the James Harden route because I do think, you know, when they get into the playoffs, things are going to turn up a little bit. But who really need to turn up are the Oklahoma City Thunder. They are in eighth place in the Western conference. And I mean, they're going to make the playoffs because the next uh, closest team is like seven games behind them. I think it is, uh, I can't think of who it is right now, but they're about seven games back. Wait, Oh, in ninth place, you mean, or in seventh place In ninth, I don't know who's in ninth off the top of my head. That's what I'm saying because the thunder are in eighth right now. This is why we need a producer, someone to come look things up for us when uh, I get lazy. Yeah, um, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but um, uh, no, I know that uh, Thunder moved into seventh place tonight. Uh, Spurs are now in eighth. And I think Thunder is seven and a half back of the Warriors. But I think the Thunder lost again tonight. No, no, I, ju- I like just saw this like as I was like setting up to do the show. Okay, I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up right now. NBA. Bring uh, me here. I feel like the Thunder almost come off as like too good. To not make the playoffs. Okay. Like, so the Thunder have moved up to the seventh seed. San Antonio drops to the eighth, and the Kings are in ninth. Everybody else is eliminated. No LeBron, as we've already talked about. But the Thunder in their last ten games are four and six. I believe uh, a couple days ago they were like zero for six in their last six before. But anyway, they're not doing too hot right now. Russell Westbrook looks all over the place, and you know Stephen. Hasn't been doing much. It's Paul, but like you said, Paul George is going to carry this team into 
the playoffs. If today, if it ended today and the OK, the Oklahoma City Thunder played the Denver Nuggets first round, who you got coming out of that series? If the Oklahoma City Thunder played the Denver Nuggets. Yes. Oh, man. I, I mean, I think Denver is a way more cohesive team. And I think they play great in Denver. And I don't think Oklahoma City can hold up in a seven-game series. I think, personally, it would be a crazy shock if a team with Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Dennis Schroeder doesn't make the NBA playoffs. But the Sacramento Kings, with Marvin Bagley, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, and Harrison Barnes, like are able to sneak in and do something. I'd be rooting for the Kings, man. I'm, I'm a big Kings guy. But... Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think if if we had a Denver Thunder matchup, I give it to Denver. Yeah, I, I'm like I said a while back, I'm taking Denver in the finals. I think this is the first year that we see no LeBron, which check take that off the list, and no Golden State Warriors in the final. This is the this is the most this is the biggest year for Golden State to have a challenge because the West is I think the best it's ever been in a long time. But the East is better. I, I don't think the East is better. Imagine. Besides Milwaukee and possibly Philly, if they could get together, I, I don't think there's really anybody else that could come out of the East and even put up a seven-game series with the Nuggets or the Golden State Warriors. You don't think... Wait, you, you said Milwaukee and Toronto? No, Milwaukee and Philly. Toronto's out of it. They choke every year. I'm not taking Toronto at even to make it to the finals. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I think the revamped Toronto team will uh, will put something together. I mean, Revamped? Who's revamped? They got Kawhi on a one-year rental. Dude, I think Kawhi's gonna stay there. So does uh, Toronto, apparently. No, he's not gonna stay there. But he's not gonna go out to L.A. like everybody else thought because nobody wants to go play with LeBron. I got a hypothetical for you though. Do you think Kawhi's decision is gonna hinge on how well they do in the playoffs? So, no. for instance, if they go out in the first round versus making it to the Eastern Conference Finals or NBA Finals, do you think he potentially stays in Toronto if they make it that far? No, I think his decision was made last season. I don't think he wants to be in Toronto. He doesn't like the cold, but he also didn't like being in San Antonio and playing under Greg Popovich anymore. I could see, okay, I could see a a switch here. I could see him going to the Clippers and then having a free agent go to the Clippers as well and the Lakers end up having to trade LeBron James to somebody else to get more assets or pieces because nobody likes playing with LeBron. Quit, quit drinking the Jeff Van Gundy Kool-Aid, man. That's, that's not, that's not going to happen. They're not trading him. But I, I do think it's hilarious that just Kawhi Leonard's personality, I think, is a perfect fit for the Los Angeles Clippers. Like, I think he is the perfect personality fit for what the Los Angeles Clippers are compared to the, the to the Lakers. Like, and I think he'll like Doc Rivers. I really do think he would like Doc well, Rivers. Well, Doc Rivers might be going to the Lakers now because everyone's drum, like stirring that pot. Oh, oh, no. The next coach for the Los Angeles Lakers is going to be Jason Kidd. Dude, uh, yeah, I can see that. I mean, I, I do. Doc and LeBron would, that would implode within 30 seconds. He would become the bitch. Doc yeah. would become the bitch. And I don't think Doc's the kind of guy that would. I think he. I don't think he'd sit there and take it. So I think Doc wouldn't get put himself in that situation in the first place. But Magic would allow it, and Magic will make Doc become the bitch, and that's why he won't do it. He's got a great gig in in L.A. for the Clippers. They have a good young core in a team. You go out and get a superstar. Hell, if you even wait till free agency and you go out and get somebody like a Clay Thompson, or you go out and get a Kyrie Irving, you're you're fine. You know, Ky- Kawhi Leonard's gonna leave. 
But I want to switch the focus from Kawhi in the playoffs to the teams that are not going to make the playoffs. And our Chicago Bulls have the fourth best worst record in the NBA. And we need to win. We need to win by losing a few more games so we can get in that top three lottery pick. But who does it come back to? Does it come back to? Does it come back to Zion or does it come back to John Morant now? Who who do you want to see the Bulls get? For pure comic value, and I'm going to foreshadow a little bit. I want Taco Fall with the third pick. But in all seriousness, I, I mean, man, it, it's I don't think Zion's going to be there. And I think in retrospect, we're in a similar situation to what the Suns are going to be in, which kind of fucks us because the Suns are equally terrible. Where we have a pretty solid core of young big men and we're playing in a modern NBA where it's all outside shooting and guard play kind of dominates. So I feel like John Morant's the best fit for the Bulls, but I'm skeptical if he's going to be there unless they kind of get lucky and beat out the Suns for one of those top like two picks. Because I think he's going two. And he might go one if the Suns are at one. Yeah, it's going to be... It's, we're, we got to lose some more games because right now we have the fourth. We could end up with the fourth pick and not even the top, a chance at number one. Well, I mean, so, with the way that they redid the, the draft lottery, though, the top three teams all have like the same chance of that number one pick, and the number four isn't very far off. I mean, they, they made it pretty rough to just tank for that number one pick and have a solid chance. Yeah, it's... It's been, I mean, it's been a good year to be a Bulls fan because we know we're going to get a good player for the future. Yeah. But switching down to the draft, let's jump right into the NCAA tournament. It, we are approaching week two of the madness. And how is your bracket looking? My bracket sucks, but this is goddamn the best time of year. It is just so fucking great. I mean, I was depressed yesterday, legitimately depressed and shitting beer and bad Thai food all day. And I have no regrets. It was... what You have no regrets? I, I have one regret, and that's allowing our uh, IT guy, Matt Gross, to be in the March Madness pool. Because I don't know if you've checked the standings, but both of his teams, with some research and gut feeling, are one and two yeah. in the leaderboards. He can end up walking away with a nice $250 pot. Yeah, so going back to the bracket, because I realized I got distracted by the thoughts of my Thai food shits, or that, yeah, my, my bracket is, uh, it's fucked, but this was a bad year. I mean, everything that was predicted happened. Honestly, if you pick the favorites, you're probably leading your pool. Um, yeah, IT guy Matt is absolutely slaying it out there, because Matt only picked favorites, apparently, and he did the best move, because we have all the one seeds, all the two seeds still left. So, I mean, no crazy upsets. But do you see an upset happening? I I did with you my did. fucking Wofford, but Wofford ended up taking the shit. Oh. But okay, so the teams that are left for everybody that's tuned in listening, we have Duke versus Virginia, LSU, Michigan State, Gonzaga, Florida State, Texas Tech, Michigan, Virginia, Oregon, Purdue, Tennessee, North Carolina, Auburn, and the University of Houston and Kentucky. Out of this, I could really see Oregon making a run to a Final Four. Bro, you're just you're just trying to pick a fight with me or something right now, man. I mean, I'm a homer for Virginia. I mean, Tech's gonna beat Duke. 
the Cavs, not worried, not nervous, going to beat the Pistons. I hope not either because, I, like I chose back in the March Band, the special, I have Virginia win the whole thing. But I think that this is going to be the ultimate test for Virginia in this tournament because Duke, Duke last game almost lost to Taco Fall. I mean, uh, so my feelings on it are this. Oregon, for whatever reason, is just scalding hot and picked the best time to be scalding hot. I'm happy that um, that Virginia will get a week to uh, let Oregon cool down. I feel like if you would have played them in a round of 32 game, that would have been kind of a, a serious upset threat. It's kind of shitty because literally I would have taken out of those four teams that could have made it anyone but Oregon, be it Wisconsin, Kansas State, or UC Irvine, and that didn't happen. So, I mean, I think I think this 12 seed could make a run. I just don't want to see it, man. Okay, I mean, so let's just break it down. Let's break it down from the teams that are left right now on who's going to go to the Elite Eight. First up, we got Duke and Virginia Tech. I think Duke gets it done. Yeah, I mean, I could see Tech, though. Tech's beaten them twice this year. I could, Tech is good. Tech has some good players. They got outside shooting, and they have an interior presence, which seems to be you need that interior presence to beat Duke. As we saw with UCF, I think I could see Tech winning. Okay, so final thoughts. Who are you taking, Duke, Virginia Tech? I'm gonna take Duke, but okay. I give I give Tech about like a if I had to put like a proportion on it, like 35, 40 percent chance to win. Like I don't think it's down in the 20s. Okay, LSU, Michigan State. I'm going with the upset. LSU's been hot. They've been playing well, but they also were down and then they came back and just barely pulled one out of their ass. I'm still gonna take LSU over Michigan State. LSU looks like they're riding on pure talent right now. Um, obviously, with their head coach gone, that's kind of what you got to do. I think when you start kind of balling up in the Sweet 16 against Tom Izzo's and your Mike Krzyzewski's of the world, I don't think you can keep doing that. I think Tom Izzo and Michigan State get ahead early. I think they bury them, and I think it's a 10-plus point win for Michigan State. Okay, this is another upset I see happening. Florida State's nope. going to take down Gonzaga. There's either. Well... <laughs> uh, I like Florida State, man. I pick Florida State in my brackets. I, I love Gonzaga's team. I love their players. I think they have some studs, and they're going to be great in the NBA. Um, but I, I, I don't know, man. Florida State's been balling, and I think they're playing as hot as Oregon is right now, and they're not getting the love for that. But I think they're more athletic and a better team. Texas Tech and Michigan, I think Michigan's going to run away with it. Yeah, John Beeline. I'm big again. I'm, I'm big John Beeline. Michigan actually as a state's head coaches are dope. So uh, yeah, Michigan. Four games left. We got Virginia and Oregon. Like I said, I could see Oregon going, but I have Virginia win the whole thing. So I'm going to take Virginia, but it would not surprise me if Oregon pulled this one out. I mean, this isn't even a question. I got, I got to take Virginia with this. I mean, I think UVA is looking good. Kyle guy's getting hot. Um, he he was uh he, he was a little slow earlier, but you know I think they got I think the biggest thing for them from this weekend was getting over that early deficit to the 16 seed. I think they finally like got the yips away, and I think they're they're cruise control now. I think they win by like five to seven. So now we move on to Purdue and Tennessee. Purdue just knocking out the defending champs of Villanova and Tennessee going into a thrilling overtime game with Iowa and barely escaping. I'm gonna take Purdue over Tennessee. I think this is gonna be the best game of the of the first two sets. I think it's a super interesting matchup. I think Purdue's slow ball is going to be a perfect uh, match for Tennessee. I, I got Purdue beating Tennessee too. 
North Carolina, Auburn, I don't think it's going to be any competition. Auburn's a good team. By sh- they show- showed that by taking down Kansas, but I don't think they're even in the same level as North Carolina. No. Uh, well, I don't think they're in the same level talent-wise, but I think, I think these Auburn dudes, man, I, I want to see them go. I'm picking Auburn. I'm picking the first one seed falls. Actually, no, number two, because I also have Gonzaga, but I think Auburn's going to win. Houston and Kentucky. I'm going to take Houston right out of the gates because my Wofford Terriers almost took down Kentucky. So did my SIU Salukis. I don't think Kentucky is an elite-level program anymore. They're a good program. They're a very good program, but I don't think they're up there anymore. I think the Cougars are going to get it done. So I want to take an aside here because Wofford's game against Kentucky was way closer than it looked, and I know you watched it. Um, they I'm, shooting from threes? What? McGee went 0 for 9 shooting from threes. He didn't make a single three-pointer. In the second half, they went like 3 for 19 from the three-point line. If they would have made more threes, it would have been a blowout. Yep, 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 yep. I mean, I yeah, I think our Wofford pick, it was, they looked good, man. It was just they got cold, right? And that's what happens when you're a three-point shooting team and you live by it, you die by it. But, I mean, I think our bracket, by the way, we got to reference the poor section through a two bracket. I think we're in the bottom 25th percentile. I think we're actually less than the 25th percentile. We might be like one of like, it would almost be, have been better had we randomly picked than picked our teams. But, hey, you live and you learn. Um, so, wrapping it all up, who is your favorite at this point to win the entire tournament? Oh, so I'm going to pick Kentucky, by the way. I never uh, actually answered that. Um. My favorite to win the tournament, shit. I don't want to say Virginia because I've been harping on them too much. I'm going to go with, in all honesty, uh, if if Kentucky can beat Houston, I think Kentucky is a solid chance. Really? I do. Okay. Well, you heard it here. We just broke down what the thoughts for the second weekend of the tournament. We now have a great interview with the president of RMP Wrestling out in Colorado. He is Austin Reddick. We talk Booker T. We talk TV networks. We talk a lot of kayfabe, a lot of action. And we have an all-new starting five for people we would want to be stranded on an island with. So let's get into that. Actually, before we go to the interview, though, I want to give a shout out to Bradley, who almost beat Michigan State in a sick upset. I called that. Well, I, I know. Yeah, you had it. But I want to give a shout out to them because. Shout out Bradley. Yeah. We yeah. got you. Bradley. Anybody from the Bradley team want to come on the podcast and talk about the experience? <laughs> Let's go, Bradley. <laughs> Huge Bradley guys. All right, guys. Here's the interview with Austin Reddick. We now welcome on to the podcast. He is the president of RMP Wrestling out in Colorado, Austin Reddick. How you doing? What's up, gentlemen? I'm doing just fine, man. I live in Colorado. Life's fucking great. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's better than being out in Illinois right now. We just got flooded with storms. I don't know what the weather's like out there in Virginia. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's been in the 60s and sunny, and the wind's been going out every day. It's finally starting to look like spring. Things are clearing up a little bit. I can't complain, man. Yeah, that's good. But uh, you you were mentioning that you were writing your uh, your script for your wrestling show this week. You have you guys are having like another big event this weekend, or what's up with that? Well, so this weekend we we're running four shows, and we're actually partnering with the Lucha Company. So we got five shows in four days, all in the Denver area. But man, like earlier, I was writing our our weekly TV show, and that 
that event happens every week. But yeah, man, we run we run once a week. This weekend's gonna be big though. We got a lot of people coming in from across the country. How how did that come to place? How did you get in connections with this TV company to start doing live TV? So when I got with them, well, they were kind of a TV company. Basically, we sent a taped product of like uh, we would we would do a once a month TV taping and then just cut it up and send it to a local channel. So we were on. Uh, I think it's KCDO out here in Denver for a couple months. Just one of those channels you're just scrolling through, like the actual like local network shit, and uh, that was fine. You know, a handful of people in town would watch them and stuff. But we uh, we just did our first successful test launch with Right Now TV, who's actually in I want to say ten markets around the country. They're in Wichita, uh, Salt Lake City. Um, I forget the whole list, but they. Uh, they actually are all over. They're, they're national and shit. So um, that's like real national TV. That's coming up here in about two weeks or so. But as far as me getting hooked up with them, when we moved up here a little over a year ago, I wasn't even sure if I was going to keep wrestling. And then we were sitting on the couch one day and my fiance turned to me and was like, I think I want to train to be a pro wrestler. So I, uh, I had heard about these guys through some friends back in the day. So I just reached out to them and, started working with them and then after a little while I was writing the show and then all this TV shit started happening so it's going pretty well. So I think that's a that's kind of a good uh, interesting point here. So with the pro wrestling uh I guess aura around it, right? We all know that some of it is scripted, but it's obviously still physical work. It's obviously still physically um uh daunting on you guys and it, it takes a lot out of you. What, what's a harder kind of aspect to manage when you're uh, going into pro wrestling? Is it building this character, building the acting, kind of selling yourself to people and fans, or is it actually doing the physical moves themselves? Like, what's kind of more difficult? It it depends on the person. So we've got one of our big advantages as a wrestling company is that we're also a wrestling school, and we're one of the bigger wrestling schools, and just in terms of number of students and stuff in the country, um, it really depends on who the person is that's coming to become a pro wrestler. We've got two of our better guys on the roster that are really new. Couldn't be more different. So one of them, a dude by the name of, he wrestles as Marlon Bishop. His name's Marlon Jackson. He's 43, but he uh, used to play running back for the Falcons. He's a 6'4", 275-pound brick shithouse, who's also naturally charismatic, but getting him to do, like, the speaking part, like, he could naturally talk, but getting him to, like, cut a promo in front of a camera and stuff like that, it does take a little bit more work. On the other hand, my personal favorite guy on our entire roster is this dude named Kip Rascal. Kip's 20 years old. He used to be a fat theater kid that got skinny. You would look at him and not think pro wrestling, but he's the most entertaining dude I've ever seen in my life. And we can literally just point a camera at him and get gold every time. But someone like him, the physical part is a little bit hard to get. So it, it really just depends. Every once in a while, you got someone who has both. And that's obviously ideal. But, um, man, it, yeah, it really just depends. Yeah, I, have, I mean, I've watched a couple of your Twitch streams and stuff like that, and I will say my personal favorite so far, I do like that Chango Bronson character a lot. Um, I feel like he's got, there's a lot of like Randy Savage in there, a little bit of the, the camera mentality. But what I want to know is, you started off in wrestling in Houston and San Antonio area before you moved out to Denver, where you were actually one of the wrestlers in there competing. How did you transition from the role of being an everyday athlete to now being basically the front office person running this entire new organization, becoming the president of RMP Wrestling? 
So for a, yeah, for a while up until January, and I still wrestle. Um, I even still wrestle for, for Rocky Mountain Pro occasionally. Um, it's really not so much been a, uh, I just wanted to stop wrestling as much as it just takes so work to basically run a TV company that, um, man, especially Thursdays when we're doing live TV, it's, it's enough work just to keep the show running along. It's doing that. And then having to go out there and have a match in the middle of it is, uh, man, it's just, it just got to be too much. So I still wrestle outside there. I'll be, uh, I think in two weeks I'm going out to Salt Lake city to wrestle. Um, I'll pop into our shows every once in a while, but yeah, once really around January, we started going live on Twitch and then over the last month, turning it into a live TV broadcast, there's just too much damn work to do both at the same time. And fortunately we've had a lot of people like the guys I mentioned, like Marlon and Kip and, and really just across the board from our school, we've had enough people step up that I didn't need to go out there and work. Cause when I first got there, I worked on every show because there was, there wasn't someone close enough to replace me that we could still get a good match out there. I mean, there was, there's a lot of good people on the show that can wrestle, but we didn't have enough to where someone with as much experience as I have, because I've been doing this for a decade, um, just didn't have to be there. And so, uh, we've been fortunate as a company that I just I don't have to go out there and wrestle on the shows, but I can still jump in every once in a while when I feel like it. So running, um, it's obviously very difficult running and managing and making sure, you know, as Quentin mentioned, kind of a front office role and transitioning from that. Um, I guess I'm thinking, how do you go about um holding that role right do you want to take it publicly i mean obviously like i think of wwe with vince mcmahon right he was always present he always kind of had this aura and his own character in itself but do you want to go on that road or are you thinking more kind of sit in the back and when things start taking off let the wrestlers themselves have their own personalities and just kind of you know flip the switches from behind the scenes yeah so uh i'm kind of at a point now where and, and i guess it it's it's important to kind of differentiate like our TV from just our other live shows in the area. Um, I'm kind of transitioning now to where on TV, I'm not going to be a character on there anymore. So I can be like a publicly face of that more office type role role. Um, funny enough, when we went to go and live on Twitch running weekly, cause we started running weekly uh, the first week of January. So it's fairly new. Um, but when we went there, that, that run sheet because basically every show i'll have it's it's not a script where every word's written out but it's uh hey here's match number one here's segment number two and here's we're going to cut to something we tape before here the first run sheet had all over it do not refer to austin reddick as the president of rocky mountain pro because i was still trying to wrestle on the show and write it and all that at the same time and like the first week the the guys we had on commentary mentioned me as a president i actually uh, Quentin, you mentioned Chongo earlier. I had to go out there and do a promo in the ring with Chongo, and he specifically referred to me as the president like three or four times. So we kind of <laughs> did one of those things wrestling does where we just ignored it for a while and people forgot. Um, but now I am moving into more of an authority role on the show to where I can produce it from backstage. And then if I do have to run out and make an appearance for something, it's not as much as a wrestler because – uh, this last Thursday was our first kind of live run of the actual TV broadcast where we're having to time out commercial breaks and stuff like that. And it's literally kind of in that, that Vince McMahon role of me sitting backstage with a fucking headset, just directing the show from there. Uh, and it's just, it's too much work to be a, a character on the show, but yeah, I think going more of a 
public face as a president and stuff like that. So I could do things like this, hop on podcasts, and it's not we're not insulting the fans' intelligence by being like, oh, that one redneck character is also the guy that writes the show, but we're not supposed to know that and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, man, I'm I'm slowly transitioning to that place. And then like I said, I'll wrestle when we have our everything we do is pretty much streamed on Twitch, but our non TV events that don't kind of follow our regular storylines and stuff, I'll hop in there every once in a while. But yeah, it's kind of by necessity. I've had to switch to more of that just an authority figure role. So, so, you, so, so I, quick question. Sorry, Quentin. I, I got to follow this up because I came straight to mind. So um, you mentioned that that's crazy that you're actually doing the writing, managing, kind of directing, you know, making sure all the pieces are in place. How does um, the wrestler themselves, uh, how, do they get any input in the writing of the script? Um, obviously, the script is just as important as the actual performance that's put on because it's kind of the groundwork. Um, does that kind of get based off experience, kind of ability to begin with with the writing? Or, you know, how does that kind of work out? Yeah, man, I'm sure it's different a lot of places. But with just- me, there's a lot of input from the people. But not, I mean... Most of a lot of the shit we end up writing and doing starts from us just sitting around bullshitting like, hey, man, what if we did this? And it kind of grows organically from there. Same thing with the characters as well. I actually uh, sat down and talked to one of our newer students for a while the other night. They were asking about like, oh, do you just give me a character? Um, That's not how I like to do it. I think our biggest advantage is the characters in the entertainment. I will tell our roster and everyone, we're not out there to be the best in-ring pro wrestling product. There's a million companies that do in-ring pro wrestling very well. Uh, We're out there to be an entertainment product. And I don't think there's many wrestling companies that are just an entertaining TV show. Uh, So the way I always look at it, of course, the the in-ring stuff is super important. That's kind of the medium that drives the stories. But to me, it's the the character interactions and things like that that set us apart and, and make our shit worth watching once a week. Um, but as far as their input, as far as the physical stuff in the match, a lot of that they come out with on their own. We have some of our coaches at the school that help agent matches. So if we got two guys that are working, you'll have someone a little more experienced would just sit with them and be like, okay, what do y'all got? And they might make some suggestions, but a lot of that comes from the talent themselves. Um, as far as the writing of the show, I have an open door policy. People pitch me ideas all the time. A lot of it still just kind of comes from what I, I think would be entertaining to me and I'll pitch it to someone else and they'll, they'll find it entertaining as well. And it grows from there, but we have a, we do have a very collaborative effort here now. Uh, it wasn't like that when I first got here. So any of your people listening to this that are wrestling fans will know the name Vince Russo. He wrote most of the attitude era, um, a lot of silly shit, but a lot of really good stuff too. He was here when I first got here. His, his approach was more of, here's my idea for you. Here's how you're going to do it and stuff like that. And sometimes it hits, sometimes it misses. But personally, I just, I, I think the best work you're going to get out of somebody is something that at least partially comes from them. So it is a very collaborative process. Definitely. So you're over now in Colorado at RMP Wrestling. You did used to do the stuff in Houston and San Antonio. Before you came over to Denver and started to make yourself the boss, your former boss was actually Booker T. What was that like? Oh, man, that was uh, that was a trip. That was a trip. One, it was just it was real. So back when when I was younger, I was Harlem Heat was always my favorite tag team growing up. And uh you know, I ended up being in my late 20s, and for a solid, like, year, me and my tag team partner were managed by Stevie Ray. 
So that was cool, which Stevie Ray is one of my favorite people I've ever met in the wrestling business. That dude is funny as shit and is just like one of the coolest people you'll ever meet. Working for Booker was was interesting. Booker is a world-class entertainer, and Booker physically in the ring is great. But sometimes, man, he would come up with some ideas for storylines that just made no damn sense at all. I mean, sometimes he would come up with some awesome stuff, but there were times where he'd be telling us what we were going to do, and me and my partner would be looking at each other like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> but, yeah, no. But, man, it's weird. Uh, and you could tell, I think a lot of this comes from at the time I was there, Booker wasn't just doing the pre-shows. He was doing regular commentary. So you got a guy that would spend, you know, the first couple days of the week basically having Vince McMahon yell at him through a headset, overproducing everything. He's in that super high-stress environment of running WWE's live TV show, which I appreciate a million times more now that we just ran our first successful live TV show, just how much every second fucking counts. Everything's got to be ready to go. Um so you'd get booked, and you could tell some weeks if they were leading up to a pay-per-view or super stressful, he'd be in there. He'd be stressed out as fuck, and man, like the smallest little thing would set him off. Then there'd be weeks where things were super light and easy. It'd be just be like a regular week of TV for him. Then he'd come back, and we'd do our taping, and he'd just be like laughing the whole time, having a good time and all that. So, man, it was weird, but I do got to say, for someone that has been as successful in the business and has made as much money as he is. He doesn't have to work. He doesn't have to run a wrestling promotion uh, for him to kind of build that platform out there and give a lot of younger wrestlers an opportunity to, to kind of get their name out there and, and learn how to work TV wrestling and stuff, man. It's awesome. That he does all that shit. So I want to, I want to stay on the line of the more, uh, the televised, you know, the WWE, all that kind of stuff. You did work with Booker T. You did mention Stevie Ray. But uh, a lot of people don't know that you were actually on a couple episodes of Monday Night Raw where they had you dress up as security and stuff. How does that all come about? Do they, like, tell you here's what you're going to do, here's what you can and can't do? Like, what's the process of that? Yeah, so uh, taking it even a step back from that really quick, anytime you see an EMT, a police officer, a photographer, some random dipshit standing in the background of a backstage segment. Those are all indie wrestlers. And uh, uh, from what I've heard, it's not as good as it used to be. But nowadays, I think the going rate's about 200 bucks. Um, when they roll through town, I think a week ahead of time, the writing department will tell them like, hey, we got these kind of things planned. We probably need about this many extras. And so they'll reach out. Um, pro wrestling is a huge who do you know business. And uh, they'll reach out to whoever they know in the area and say, hey, we need this many guys, this many girls. They send your info into corporate. They reach out to you and say, hey, can you work like Raw and SmackDown on these dates? So here in Denver, it might be, hey, uh, we got Raw at the Pepsi Center on April, whatever. Are you available? You tell them, yeah, you show up. You're there at like for Raw. I think it was like 10 a.m. For SmackDown, it was a little bit later in the day. Um, but now that SmackDown's live, it's probably pretty early. You show up early, you're in your nice little suit, you shake hands and say hi to everyone that walks by, and then you stand in one spot and you wait for them to tell you what to do and all that. I've done extra talent, I think a dozen times. I think I've actually did something like four times. So most of the time you stand around like the first four hours, you're literally just standing there. Uh, a couple times I went, especially on the SmackDown, like back in the day when SmackDown was taped, they uh, 
they would get the ring up. They'd kind of walk through some stuff and you would actually have some time. Like they had a uh, William Regal for a long time would handle all the extras and they'd have you go in there, work a short little match with somebody or just run through some drills. And they are taking a look at, Hey, who do we have out there on the Indies that we might, you know, basically in that, in that scenario, they're sifting for gold. I think I've seen one person ever even get talked to from there. Um, you basically got to either be a physical specimen or just the most entertaining fucker they ever met in their life. Um, otherwise, they'll, they'll take a look, but you know they'll give you some critiques and ends at that. Half the time I've gone after that, you just sit back in catering and watch the show. It's pretty great. You make like two bills to eat some pretty dope catering and be backstage at a WWE event. Which if you're a if you're a pro wrestler, that's always a cool experience. But yeah, man, if they are using you on a show, they grab you. You kind of rehearse it in the back. And you do exactly what they tell you to do, because if you do anything different, they'll just tell you to get your shit and leave. So the handful of times I did it, we didn't do anything like too crazy. I uh, I think the, the crazy thing I ever did is me and another guy who wrestled as Wheezy Woo uh, started loading Triple H into an ambulance on a uh, – on a stretcher and Kevin Nash came and like scared us off and then beat the shit out of him or something. But yeah, man, most of the time it's just, you're going, Oh wait, no, I think the other thing we did, uh, I forgot about this one. We all ran out as police officers and attacked Seamus once. <laughs> that shit was pretty fun because we went to, uh, to practice it back in the afternoon just to see how it all look. And Seamus looks at all of us and goes, gentlemen, there's no way to bullshit these. Just avoid the face and the nuts and let's have fun. And it was like the segment was 15 seconds of all just trying to club Sheamus and him just beating the shit out of us. So, yeah, man, it's it's a fun time, but it's 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 not that stressful. You go out there, you do exactly what they tell you to do, and a couple weeks later, you get a nice little check in the mail. You know, it's funny because you actually answered my question. I was going to ask, so what happens if you do just decide as you're walking in to just freelance it and just run up on stage and try to, like, take somebody out? Does, like, Vince McMahon pull out, like, a sniper rifle or something from the back, like, corner? And take- you... You would never fucking make it. Uh, <laughs> you one. So if you were someone in the crowd hopping the the guardrail, you might make it in. But to get out to the stage, it's basically a, a an eighteen wheeler um, trailer that's backed up to that giant set. So you walk up through these stairs, and it changes a little bit by building. They have different setups. But it's actually a very narrow walkway, and you have to go up like a little set of stairs, down around this other rigged up thing, up another set of stairs, and then you have to walk by production, the gorilla position, which back in the day was literally a dude standing there. Now it's a couple tables, computers, they've got all their headsets. That's where it's all running. But while you walk up through there during the show, all the agents are standing there. And when I say all the agents, it's all the retired guys. Like I know he just got recently released, but your guys like – Arn Anderson, like Dean Malenko, like some of the dudes that have been in the business for a long time, they might be in their middle six, their mid sixties, but they would still fucking murder you if you ever tried to walk through that curtain before you ever got there. And they're the <laughs> office guys too; they're not even security. So yeah, you would you would never make it out there. Um, but yeah, most guys they're super cool about it. They just they've always wanted to be backstage at every event. And again, if you're there as extra talent. You're not just there to collect your check and get a you know a free meal at catering. You're also hopefully getting a job. So it's like there's no other job interview where when they walk you in, you try to like run to the break room and make yourself a coffee like you own the fucking place. So. Right. Right. So one more question before we move away from the wrestling a little bit. You 
you started out in Houston, San Antonio. You move out to Colorado. You start doing this RMP wrestling. How did it come about that you're now putting on shows inside the Pepsi Center where the Denver Nuggets play? Man, so that uh, we've had a lot of cool shit happen to us this year. That was a joint effort with the Colorado Mammoth, who's the local lacrosse team. So Cronky uh, Sports Entertainment. They run the Avalanche, the Nuggets, the Rapids, and the Mammoth. Um, and so the Pepsi Center, the Nug, the Nuggets and the Avalanche, you know, they play there. But uh, the Mammoth actually draw about 15,000 people a game. And you're with the uh, lacrosse configuration. I think the Pepsi Center holds like 20,000. So they do these things where they reach out to these groups and, uh, you know, they ask them if they want to, like, run, do something on the floor after the game. And they, you know, the the group sells some tickets. And then the the Mammoth, they get to sell a couple extra tickets and all that stuff. But one of our guys, and if you've ever been on the Twitch stream during our live Thursday shows, um, you'll see Porkchop in there. Porkchop is a Mammoth season ticket holder. And so he was walking and talking, or he was walking by, and one of the group salespeople had a desk up. And they, he was just bullshit with the guy and the guy had mentioned like he always wanted to partner with something cool, like pro wrestling or something like that. And pork chop, he, he does a lot of shit for us. He usually pulls the, the ring trailer. He moderates Twitch and all that stuff. He was like, no shit, man. Cause I work with a pro wrestling company. Let me get you in talent with them. So I'm sitting there with Matt Yaden. Who's the, he's the one that owns Rocky mountain pro with, you know, Matt, Matt's been running this for about nine years. You know, I came out about six months ago, but me and Matt kind of run the shows. Uh, and I'm sitting there with Matt and he's like, dude, I got an email from uh, the Colorado Mammoth. They want to know if we want to do something at the Pepsi Center. And at first we weren't really sure what that was going to look like. So we go into this meeting expecting it just to be, uh, you know, tossing some ideas around, just kind of feeling it out. And the guy's like, yeah, we got these dates available. Um, as long as y'all can sell a minimum of this many tickets, you've got this long after the Mammoth game to run your show. Uh, and we, you know, right there, we're like, uh, fuck yeah, let's do this. So we weren't sure at first what what kind of a turnout would be because it is something that wouldn't start till about 10 p.m. and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we had actually, a month before that, partnered with Make-A-Wish in a local high school to grant a Make-A-Wish to a little six-year-old with cancer. And we set the ring up at the high school, did, uh, we did it basically, it was one match, it was a giant battle royal. And at the end, it looked like one of the bad guys won. Matt grabbed the kid, ran in there, they threw the bad guy out together and the kid won this battle royal. It was a cool thing. There was like 2,500 people in this high school gym. Um, but we realized, like, hey, not only is it cool to work at the Pepsi Center, but we can actually raise some more money for Chad, who's a little six-year-old. So we did, a, we did a thing where they tacked some money onto the tickets, and five bucks of every ticket went to Chad. And that helped get some more people in there as well. But at the end of it, uh, we ended up raising, like, a 1000 bucks for this kid and his family and uh, having – I mean, it was a couple hundred stayed after this mammoth game and, you know, watch us, yeah, run a – run a pro wrestling show in the Pepsi center. And I think it was the next afternoon I was watching a nuggets game and right there at the, uh, at the desk where the players are checking in. That's like, Oh shit. Like 12 hours ago, we had a ring right there. We were wrestling. So yeah, man, it was pretty dope. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's fucking awesome. Okay. So uh, I wanted to transition a little bit away, but uh, I guess a little bit of it is, so you actually grew up wrestling, wrestling, not WWE, but actually physically wrestling. 
and you know did through high school got into college for it which is fucking awesome i'm actually like a huge wrestling fan on the side it's one of my i wouldn't say guilty pleasure sports but like i love watching college wrestling it's fantastic so do you think that your background in wrestling has helped you um in the actual i guess in the pro wrestling world or uh would you think that's more something that's reserved to mma where it's actually you know hardcore no script kind of all physical uh no man it definitely so at at the school most of the students we get that pick up the physical part of pro wrestling a lot quicker have some kind of amateur wrestling background and uh one drill i'll actually use with new people is i'll have them walk up with somebody and just tell them without breaking the lockup try and throw the other person off their feet which is very similar to like greco-roman is more olympic style wrestling and things like that uh, but having that background, just learning how to move with another human being, even though obviously in amateur wrestling, you're actively fighting against each other, but even in pro wrestling, like it's not all just a hundred percent fake. Like we're stage acting, like yeah. learning that, how to apply that, that full on physical physicality and then back it off is a lot easier than just pretending to be physical if you've never done it before. So yeah, no, that, that background in amateur wrestling, especially, uh, when I started wrestling at 21, I think I had, I think I'd only been not doing amateur wrestling for about two years there. So it was still kind of fresh, but, uh, yeah, most, most people that pick this stuff up really quick, if not amateur wrestling have some kind of athletic background, but that one definitely translates the most. Cause every pro wrestling match, not everyone, but you know, the, the classic pro wrestling match always starts with that tie up. And if you've right. actually tied up with somebody before, it's a million times easier to go out there and make one of those look good. 100%, 100%. So I have another follow-up kind of quick one. So uh, I kind of mentioned MMA earlier, and kind of what I was hinting at is, you know, c coming from this wrestling, now WWE is actively competing in some extent, even though, uh, you know, Dana White and I don't think Vince McMahon would say it outright, but, you know, WWE is competing with MMA now, and MMA just gets picked up by ESPN. Do you think that that hurts the viewership, or it helps it by, you know, fans are brought in by UFC, and they might be willing now, or previously they wouldn't have, but now they're actually, you know, opening their eyes to this kind of, uh, you know, pro wrestling or, you know, pro-am, you know, semi-pro, whatever. So... I mean, yeah, ESPN did just sign with the UFC, but Fox also sold SmackDown to Fox, or uh, WWE sold SmackDown to Fox for a billion dollars for like five years just to air what's traditionally been considered their B show. So that doesn't even count their deal with the USA Network or Raw and all that. Um, yeah, Vince, Vince and Dana would never say that other company is directly their competitors, but at the end of the day, everyone's competing for attention. Um I don't know that it's going to hurt anyone's particular viewership, though. One, there's they don't run on the same nights, which helps a lot because a lot of I don't think you're ever going to have one just take fans away from the other. There's a lot of crossover fans and there's a lot of fans that never were going to like the other one. I know a bunch of pro wrestling fans that don't want to see a bunch of people realistically beat the shit out of each other. I know a lot of MMA fans that are like, oh, I don't like that scripted bullshit. But there's a yeah. lot of stuff in between. Um, half of our roster will get together. like They'll come over to the house and we'll crack some beers and watch the UFC fights. I'm a huge fan of both. So I don't think I don't think it hurts either as much as times are really good for both. Like awesome things are happening. Pro wrestling's hotter than it's been in probably 20 years right now. Uh, honestly, I think if one of the two ends up losing viewers – in the near future, it's going to be MMA, but I don't think it has anything to do with pro wrestling. 
I think it has to do with their lack of an ability to keep a main event going. Um, Cause every card they try and run people drop out last minute. I also think that the new ESPN deal for Emmett for UFC is huge though. Cause I watched Thompson and Pettis last night. Uh, you know, they're running three yeah, yeah. events a month or something like that now with some of with with fighters you know and have heard of as opposed to it used to be one pay-per-view a month and every once in a while they might do a special event or something like that so yeah man overall times are good for both um but yeah they're i mean at the end of the day they're competing for attention but they don't need your attention at the same time uh also with with wbe having that network where now pay-per-views are always immediately available on demand as soon as they end like everyone's gonna everyone's gonna make their money it'll be fine right yeah yeah and i mean i wasn't you know coming at that even from the it's gonna cause a rift angle you know there's also very much the you know open possibility like you mentioned that there's a synergy that comes about from it you know that's another angle is you know you people are getting now exposed to ufc because you know it's been open and maybe they weren't looking at wrestling before you know on usa or on fox and now you know they're starting to kind of pull some fans from there too because you know a new kind of i guess part of the culture has been exposed to it that was kind of strictly espn but yeah absolutely and, and really quick i mean just just talking about the synergy between the two uh the two main events of wrestlemania in you know two weeks are gonna feature brock lesnar and ronda rousey so there's there's plenty of working together between the two as well because you got crossover stars in both and i honestly think going forward there's a guy down in uh nxt the developmental w named matt riddle who was in the ufc for a while as well I think you'll end up getting a lot more of those guys that are switching over, um, especially with uh, I think Daniel Cormier has been talked about being one of the commentators with WWE goes live on uh, Fox in the fall with SmackDown. So, yeah, man, there's a ton of synergy between the two. For sure. Yeah, you know, you've been met, like the WWE. It's it's changed a lot. It used to be a lot more the bad boy era. There used to be a lot more blood and everything, and now it's more kid friendly, organized. It's not so much attitude. But I would personally rather if if WrestleMania is on one night and the same night Conor McGregor is like fighting in the UFC, I would rather go listen to a stoned out Joe Rogan do commentary for about an hour and a half talking about these guys fight than go watch Fabe that I can rewatch, like you said, on demand. Do you guys have anything in the works that maybe later down the line you guys would launch your own streaming service to where you guys could go back and watch all the shows that you guys have put on from the very beginning? So we have a lot of our library is on Twitch. Everything we've done since we went live weekly in January, that started as the the original plan was, hey, we're going to be a live two-hour Twitch show, which is internet streaming, not quite TV, but it's still running live at all is hard to do. Um, but we actually have that. It's I think it's five bucks for the Twitch subscription, and you can go back and watch – Almost every live event we do now is on Twitch, and it's immediately available for review afterwards. Uh, the stuff with Right Now TV we're doing, I don't know if Right Now TV is going to have an on-demand service, but everything we do is in the can. And we've got um, – they used to do Charge, which is our main show that we do on Thursdays. Uh, they used to have Charge done in seasons, and we I know we have all those um, – we have that that entire library. We will randomly throw them up on Twitch. So throughout the day, we air them, uh, kind of like we talked about before we we went on, you know, we we went on the air. Um, 
you know, I was talking about my fiance was downstairs running her Twitch show right now. She does a show every Saturday or a Sunday morning where she shows how she makes a lot of her entrance gear and stuff for the other uh, people on the roster. So we've kind of been treating Twitch like our own kind of network. We have people that air different shows. Uh, that dude, you said you really enjoy Chongo. Chongo does the Chongo Don't Show every Wednesday night. And it's some of the most ridiculous shit I've ever seen. It's almost like one of those live action shows you'd seen on Adult Swim where none of it <laughs> makes sense, but it's silly and it's it's hilarious. Um, well, and you enjoy it. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. And so we've kind of got something like that run through Twitch. Um, we've also got right now TV, our partners that we're going to the live TV broadcast with, they're, they're giving us an opportunity to pitch them shows as well to air on their network. So there is access to all of our library. Um, we probably don't have the most organized, like here is our direct how you go and like like the WWE Network has right now. But man, a lot of the shit we do is available on Twitch right now. It's like a $5 a month subscription to, to be able to access any of that at any time. No, I mean, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's crazy as a whole, right? And that's a pretty cool thing that's happened in the last five years. I mean, you know, you're mentioning it yourself. You guys homegrown kind of, you know, you've been working out, obviously, you know, they've been working out behind the scenes for nine years. But I'm sure with, you know, the rise of Twitch, the rise of streaming services, YouTube, all of this kind of online era that we're in, it's, uh, you know, it, it's really cool that you guys are able to build this up yourselves. And you don't need to rely on some major TV network picking you up because it's so isolated. You know, you have, you know, you have it right there to put all of your content out. And that's awesome. Yeah, not even not even like the um, not even like the library and putting it out and like go and watch that. Just the fact we sat there thir- like I said Thursday night was our first. We ran a live TV broadcast that went to the network. The network didn't distribute it because it was the first one. It was a test run, but we successfully from start to finish commercial breaks. Um, you know, hard out at the end of the show where it would cut off and all that, all that stuff that would take to run a live two-hour pro wrestling show was done without a hitch with about four to five guys with some experience in these things and maybe a couple thousand dollars worth of equipment. So we sat there after the show. One, we all just kind of breathe a sigh of relief because that shit actually worked. Um, But I was telling him after the show, Monday Night Raw debuted about 25, 26 years ago. It was a taped show. It was infinitely thousands of dollars more equipment and a production team like five times the size of what we just did. And it was basically me, a bunch of my stoner friends on a Thursday night. I'm just kidding. Not all of our production team are stoners, but like it's Colorado. So, um, but yeah, like a couple of us came together and we made that shit happen. And even, even five to 10 years ago, that would have taken so much more money and manpower to pull off. And it's it's dope. We live in a time right now. I mean, what we're doing right now that you could just sit there and talk about whatever with your buddies and send it out to the world for people to enjoy. Like, dude, we live in a time where you can create anything. And if it's good enough, people tune into it. So, yeah, man, it's awesome. Yeah, 100 percent. 100 percent. So we want to we want to personally thank you for filling in here we, before we get to our last questions. And we're actually going to do a little segment with you here that we normally do on the podcast called Starting Five. But we do appreciate you taking the time to come on and talk to us about RMP Wrestling as our original guest, Kavion Pippen, Scotty's ne- uh, nephew, flaked on us for like the third time. But it's cool. He'll come back on whenever. But we I bumped hit that motherfucker with a chair. <laughs> <laughs> you, right? You got the whole, got the whole 
We're in P-Gang behind us, man. We'll watch out, KV. Dude, all right, really quick, though, before we go to this last thing, speaking of having the RMP gang behind you, another guy uh, that you mentioned earlier that um, you should definitely get on the show at some point, I don't know if, if, if he can tech – I might have to bring him in to facilitate the uh, the technology part because Chongo don't internet, but you need to talk to Chongo Bronson. So. <laughs> That would be awesome. Uh, we would aside from one of the most entertaining people in our show, uh, Chongo, one, is a legit you, – you were talking about having the RMP roster behind you. Chongo is a legit badass. Chongo works private security. Chongo has a huge background in martial arts. Uh, he's from the Seattle area. He actually – and this is kind of where um, I think y'all could have a really cool conversation with him. Chongo used to train members of the Seahawks in jiu-jitsu and stuff. And mm-hmm. like – He's got he's got pictures and stuff with a bunch of old school athletes. He's um, you know he's friends with Quentin Rampage Jackson from the UFC and stuff like that. He has a a long background in kind of not only the fight game but working with professional athletes and stuff as well, and working private security. But uh, no, I just want to tell you, man, we'll have to set that up because I think you could have an awesome conversation with Chongo. That yeah, would man. be awesome. I mean, all the hand fighting, dude, all those jujitsu guys are nuts, man. That's where all the NFL comes from. It's all that jujitsu now. That's like the new thing with the DNs. They all got that crazy hand fighting skills. I mean, Aaron Donald's like training with knives and shit. So, yeah, yeah and just leverage from, from martial arts, like stuff like wrestling and jujitsu and stuff like that. Like you learn how to control someone's leverage. You can be a much better athlete in any regard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, uh, again, th- yeah, thank you, Austin. Uh, I think it's safe to say that you're a pod father on this. Uh, helped us out with a lot of kind of early stuff, so we thank you again for that. You've been huge in kind of getting the wheels up and running with us, too. So, yeah, thanks. Uh, oh, no problem, guys. Let's move on to our final questions here before we do our uh, segment. Uh, Andrew, you got one more? Yeah, yeah. Um, how bullshit is intermittent fasting? You're, you're a fitness guy, so I got to ask. Man, uh... It's it's weird because it's it's bullshit in regards of the hype that it gets, but it's not bullshit necessarily in being effective. So, uh, one, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. Some people fast like 18 hours a day. Some people do 12. That being said, like if you eat dinner at a reasonable time and you get your eight hours of sleep a night, you're pretty much doing intermittent fasting by the time you get to breakfast. Um, but yeah, it really depends on where you are, where you're starting from. If you're someone that is extremely obese and you're eating a ton of calories all day long, anything that reduces the amount of calories you're taking in the day, like not eating for a certain period of hours, is going to be effective. Um, you know, if you're just kind of like middle-aged housewife that wants to drop a couple extra pounds, there's probably more effective ways to do it than being that restrictive, but yeah, man, I'm gonna. If if I had to make a ruling, I don't think I would call it bullshit. I would just say it's overhyped and misunderstood. Fair, fair. Okay, so my last question is kind of a two-parter here. Uh, my the first part is now that you're not really in the ring as much more, but you still do it sometimes. When was the last time that you held gold around your waist, and do you miss holding a title every night? Uh, last time I held gold around my waist, I believe would have been the uh, Booker T's Reality of Wrestling Tag Team Championships. Um, probably about two years ago or so was when we were the tag team champions. Uh, it's it's fun when you're wrestling full time. It is it's it's kind of a sign that the company is behind you. Um, 
do I miss it? Not really, because I I was writing the Rocky Mountain Pro shows before we went to the live TV and the live stuff in January. I could have given myself a belt at any point in time I wanted to. Um, but it's a prop, man. It's 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 a it's a tool to tell stories. And now that I write the shows, I am much more interested in using those championships to tell really cool stories that people will be entertained by than carrying one around. I'm not saying if I was working for some other company and they wanted to put one on me, I would turn it down. But definitely nowadays, I uh, I'm more interested in in giving those those championships to other people than than carrying one myself. So here's the part two of the question. You you mentioned oh. you know you could have given yourself that gold at any time and you write your own stories. You mentioned you and your fiance now are about to get married. You guys are going to have your own gold that you're going to be with you all the time. I want to talk about it's medieval themed. All that. How did that come up? Because we talked to uh, Raul earlier, and he says he's gonna come like the whole Game of Thrones theme. He's gonna have come in in like a horse and all that. So, so yeah, man. I I am fortunate to be engaged in a pretty much to pretty much the coolest chick in the world. Like she plays video games, loves superhero and sci-fi movies, is a professional wrestler as well, is also a power lifter. And, uh, yeah, like originally we weren't that concerned about a wedding. We weren't, we were just going to either do like the Vegas thing or just go down the courthouse. We're not super big, like extravagant kind of people. We mostly like to, you know, do pro wrestling stuff and then sit at home and watch fantasy movies and stuff like that, play, play video games, all that. Uh, but her dad, like, I guess he he kind of wants her to have, like, a more – just an actual, like, big wedding and stuff. Not big, but, like, a more, like, a traditional wedding. Uh, he just told her, like, hey, start looking at some places. And, you know, because um, he's gonna, he's like, oh, you know, he's going to cover some of it. And he's like, yeah, I'll, you know, look at look at places. Just see if you would like something else, which she kind of took as a hint of, like, hey, if you do want to do something, like, more a traditional wedding, like, you know, I got you. And, you know, get what you want. So now that we're living out here in Colorado, we just started looking at, hey, what would be some cool places in the mountains if we did want to have, you know, a, a small wedding or something like that? And we found this fucking castle. And it's like it's not even that far from Denver. It's like 35 minutes from downtown Denver, but it's out in the mountains. It's this really cool little castle thing. And then we figured if we're going to have a wedding, because um, neither of us are a big fan of just like your – you're basic. Everyone shows up in a suit and all that, and you know you you watch a ceremony, have a couple drinks, maybe dance with, for a song or two, and then you go home. We're like, all right, if we're gonna do this shit, we're gonna have a ridiculous fun wedding. So we decided to make it Renaissance themed, because again, if you're if you're having a wedding, you generally you make all your groomsmen go spend two hundred bucks renting a tux and all that stuff, and the bride has all the the bridesmaids go buy a dress that they'll never wear again and all that, and we're like, well. Let's have people be able to show up in some fun stuff. Or like if you don't want to go get a full on medieval get up, like you could rent a or just go get like a costume get up of medieval fantasy, whatever. And we actually put on the invitations or are putting them on the invitation that get set up that time travelers are welcome. So you can literally just come in any costume you want. Um, but yeah, man, we we just decided to basically throw a party in the mountains. It'll be a a tiny bit formal for like a not even formal in like a dressed up sense, but there'll be like a ceremony. But one of our one of our wrestler buddies uh, actually charged champion Severino Corrente from Rocky Mountain Pro is going to officiate the wedding. So 
yeah, man, we're we're not very fancy and formal people. So he said, if we're going to do a wedding, like we're going to fucking have a party. I think we're going to do a donut wall. It's going to be great. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm going to I'm probably going to go with the uh, the jester. Get up. One quick question. Uh, you can give me a one word answer for this beard, shaved head or tattoos. What helps the most on increasing my bench? Oh, man, that's a uh, that's a hard one. So tattoos are out for sure. If you had to pick one of the two, I would go beard, but it's very close. <laughs> oh, the the heads for the squat. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. The the bald head. So I I think if we're going bench, I would go with I would go with the bald head. I think if we were talking squat or deadlift, I'd go with the beard actually. Understandable. I like that. I like that too. I would go with that. All right, let's move. Do both here. though. Do both though. You'll get strong as shit. <laughs> well, I mean, I got all three going, so I'm hitting the trifecta. So there we'll, you we'll go. <laughs> all right, <laughs> Quentin, let's move on to a starting five. All right, all right. So the object here of the starting five, we do like a snake draft, which we go five each for whatever topic is at hand. And this week, it is the starting five people, whether it's real or cartoon characters or movie stars, whatever it is that you would want to be stranded on an island with. Okay? So, so we'll have we'll have you started off, and then we'll have wait. Andrew go, and then I'll go with two, and it'll go back to Andrew, and then back to you. Oh, wait, wait. I have a clarification question, though. If I take an actor slash character, does that person then, do I get all of the skills that they have on their show, or is it the actor? No, you all the, all the skills on that show. So if you want to choose, like, Brad Pitt and Fight Club, and then Brad Pitt and Fury, it's completely different. Right, okay, see, but you got to pick per show, not just one actor, and you get their entire body of work. Right. Yes. Okay, right. cool. Okay, so Austin, go ahead and start it off. All right, stuck on a desert island, real or fictional, with the first overall pick in the draft, Team Reddick is going to go with MacGyver. Ooh, MacGyver. Find some duct tape. Ooh up on the shore you could make it into like an sos flare i don't even know even if he can't get you off an island like the dude could probably whip you up a margarita margarita machine or some shit point that's even better just keep me on the island with that all right right. it's me okay um well uh bear grills pick one man versus wild He's going to go out there. He's going to like pee on his hands. And then all of a sudden there's just going to be a chopper because the, he got tired and the producer decided to call it in to finish show, uh, like filming for the day. Oh my God. That was a good one too. But, uh, I'm going to, now I get back to back drafts. I am going to go with my first pick. I'm going to go with Leo DiCaprio and the Revenant. Gee, I, hey, wait, 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 before you go, I was going to pick that, but then it's a desert island, not a snowy island. Leo in the reverence. He's got he's to have some type of wild skills. That's who I'm taking. If you can survive in the snow, man, you can survive in the sand. Well, that's a whole other topic for debate. <laughs> okay, so I'm taking that. And then I think my second pick, I would take Kim Kardashian because she won't do shit. But if we need to repopulate, she's got probably some elite specimens there. And that's some like that's some like uh, you gotta save that for honorable mentions or something. Get out of here. No. All right, back. To me. <laughs> we, hey, if we're st- stranded there a long time, we gotta have something fun to do, right? All right, so I'm gonna assume that we only think that the desert island is isolated, and that anybody that's on there is gonna be pissed off that I showed up on their island. So I'm gonna take uh, Liam Neeson in. Oh God, um, 
go any honestly any Liam Neeson movie. He'll figure something out for me. All right. Is that back to me now? Yeah, yeah you too. Back to back. All right. So what MacGyver first. Let's go with see, I'm just I'm debating if I wanna are are we gonna do we wanna put in a rule that no flying characters? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, I was about to just fucking yeah. say Superman, but that kind of ruins the game. Number two, I'm gonna go with Les Stroud. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you already went Bear Grylls. I went for the for the dude that can can play a harmonica. Survivor man, he brings his uh yeah 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 he's got his like sack of stuff. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. If I'm stranded on a desert island, Nate Robinson. I was trying to think of an athlete that I was bigger than because I could probably beat him up, and then if I need to eat him, I can eat him. <laughs> You chose Nate Robinson? Yeah, I feel like, well, maybe not. Maybe someone a little bit chubbier. Maybe just some chubby kid. I'm, but, I'm over here trying to survive, and, and Quentin's going with, like, pick two. I want to repopulate with Kim Kardashian, and your second or third pick is, uh, who's the only athlete I could beat up? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying your strategy is wrong. I'm just saying that it seems suspect. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go with my third and fourth picks here. I'm going to play a little necromancer, a little resurrection from the dead, and I'm going to draft Steve Irwin for my third pick. Smart. You don't know what kind of shit you're going to run into on that island. (laughs) Exactly, right? And now with my fourth pick, I'm going to stick to the athlete side because he's probably my favorite athlete of all time, funniest guy probably to ever watch on anything. I'm taking Marshawn Lynch. Dude, that's going to be the most boring island ever. He's still not going to say a word to you. Bro, like, what do you mean? You don't want – you got to watch his Facebook things where he goes and does all the – he does all this crazy shit like skydiving, does like backflips with like these professionals. This shit's hilarious. He doesn't say anything though. He'd just do all that cool stuff and never say a word to you the whole time. You wouldn't even see him. He'd just be on the other side of the island filming his own reality show. That's fine. I have no electricity. I have nothing. I need entertainment somehow. <laughs> all right. For my last pick of the ultimate team, I'm going with Richard Hatch, the season one Survivor winner on the TV show. We're assuming that uh, this is in a bubble here. You got another pick after this. It comes back around. This is your third. Got him in the middle. Yeah, you're your fourth. Oh, yeah. I think was I supposed to pick two last time? Because I think I I, yeah, I think I only picked one. No, you got two. Didn't you? you? Yeah, because I got I got MacGyver. I got Les Stroud. Picked the third, didn't you? Oh, well, look at that. We're already getting fucked up with each other. It's oh, all right. We'll get five. There's enough people out there. Yeah. And I don't feel like we're all going in the same direction here. So. No, yeah. no, no. We're picking different niches. Yeah. Oh, this, is this me? Yeah, you got another one. Oh, God. Okay. I'm losing track here. Wait, no, no, no. This goes back to you. I just picked um, I just picked Richard Hatch, uh, season one Survivor winner. Oh, that's right, because you're in the middle. Okay, so it goes back to me. So does it go back to me for two? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, two. two. So I got MacGyver. I got Les Stroud. With pick number three, I'm going to take the professor from Gilligan's Island. <laughs> <laughs> that dude knew, always knew how to fix a drink okay. <laughs> out of a coconut or whatever else was around. That's so a valuable chap to have. You're making fun of me for picking Nate Robinson because I'm going to eat him, which is something I actually need. Quentin's picking people he wants to fuck and 
but 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 you're gonna sit here and two of your four two of your three people have been making you drink so i mean i i all i'm gonna say is fair is fair here Nah, man i i had macgyver i said he might be able to make it but that dude can can fashion weapons out of anything and i got les stroud who's fucking has a tv show about surviving places i i I got necessities done with one and two i'm getting shit house with pick three Okay, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. I got to go to the fourth one now, too, huh? Yeah. yeah you- All right. Let's – Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save uh, female company for the last one. Pick number four, I'm going to go with Nick Offerman, who knows how to fashion a canoe out of any timber that is laying around and is also just a funny dude to have around. Wait, 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 wait. Nick Offerman, Nick Offerman, or Ron Swanson, Nick Offerman? Uh, Nick Offerman uh, shoot, has his own wood shop that he builds canoes and shit out of. No, no, no. I mean, I, I knew that. I just didn't know if you meant like Parks and Rec, Ron Swanson. No, I'm, no. You, you go uh, Nick Offerman because Ron Swanson probably could build a canoe as well. But Nick, Nick Offerman could always just pretend to be one, Ron Swanson whenever he wanted to. That's a good point. And that's entertainment value. Yeah. Um, I'm going with Alfred as my fourth pick from Batman. <laughs> What? Batman, Batman the animated series, Batman the Dark Knight trilogy, or just any incarnation of Alfred? Batman the Dark Knight trilogy, mainly because one, his British accent could lull me to sleep at night. <laughs> Smart, but you got Bear Grylls already. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be a, this is gonna sleep. go up in the hotel. Yeah, and you're, you're doubling up on skills, man. Bear sleeps in the hotel though. Bear doesn't. Bear doesn't actually stay in the wild overnight. Oh he, man, he gets, I would he, take a spot in the hotel. <laughs> He gets helicoptered out every night. They, they they pull him out and then they put him back. In the but morning. maybe he can put you to sleep first before he catches his helicopter ride. Shit, that's a good point. I don't know, though. Uh, I feel like Alfred could also make a mean drink. And considering it seems like Alfred built all of the Batman cave because no one knows about the Batcave but him, I feel like Alfred has some inside info in engineering. Yeah, that's what I was asking with Alfred because, like, Dark Knight trilogy Alfred is, like, a G. Dude could do anything. Same. Animated series Alfred is just a fucking butler. Dude, yeah, yeah, Dark Knight Trilogy, Alfred just comes out of nowhere. He's like, oh, by the way, I made this, like, super crazy technology for you, but I'm just a butler. And then Christian Bale just looks at him, and he's like, oh, okay. Also, so, Dark Knight Trilogy, Alfred is Michael Caine, and that's a cool dude to have just telling stories on an island. And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> He'd be the entertainment value. And uh, I could still call him Butler Alfred, and he'd still give me some help, so... He's giving me and Nate Robinson drinks. I don't know. Maybe, by the way, I want to go back to my Nate Robinson pick. He can jump and get the coconuts or something, like if we need to reach high, because I'm my 12-inch vertical, I ain't getting anywhere. So he can reach up high places, or he can get on my shoulders. We can do like a trench coat thing. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> okay, so... I don't know why you need a trench coat on a desert island, but Bear do you, it. man. Do you. Bear okay. brought it with him. So... For my team so far, I've got Steve Irwin, Marshawn Lynch, Leo DiCaprio and The Revenant, and Kim K to repopulate. I feel like we need some uh, some people that have been you know, through this already. We need some experience on the team. And that's why for my final pick in this draft, I'm taking Wilson the Volleyball. Solid pick. Fuck. You, could, you should have done Tom Hanks from Castaway. No, no, because Wilson was his moral support. I'm taking Wilson the volleyball. Keeps you, keeps you saying, okay, uh, God, I have a, I have a crazy team now that I think about it. As I'm about to add this fifth person, so I have right now Bear Grylls and actually adding with Butler Alfred, 
Survivor Man winner Richard Hatch, um, Nate Robinson, and and before that, I also had Liam Neeson to add to my British men list. Um, number five, I'm going to add Vladimir Putin. <laughs> I feel like there are a lot of different ways that Vladimir Putin helps me on a deserted island. I mean, he probably kills you, but... Well, 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 we're going to assume that we're going to assume that I'm safe. That's why he, we have Nate Robinson. He's the weakest of the bunch. That's why I had it. It's shirtless horse, uh, shirtless Vladimir Putin on the horse. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. I feel like he could fight a bear. If there's any bears there. I also, oh, yeah, I, no, he's shooting those karate. He'd be fucked. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, if, if anyone gets into a fight with my squad, I think, I think we're doing okay. It's not a bad squad. I mean, Bear Grylls, even though he sleeps in hotels, is like British Special Forces. So that dude probably yeah. could could fuck someone up if need be. Yeah, yeah. Liam Neeson, Alfred's coming up with crazy inventions, and then me and Nate Robinson, the trench coat, like running into people. We got a good squad there. Good battle tactics. All right. I guess does uh, so that that go to my last pick? Yep. Yeah. All right. So if. Uh, I think for my fifth and final pick, because you, you got to have a chick on the island just in case you, you never get off. I'm going with that redheaded chick from Mythbusters. <laughs> the d- she was the one who like she was their assistant, right? But she like she was what? in the art department. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Carrie Byer from Mythbusters, because she picked up enough to know how to do some science, which is probably comes in handy, and is cute enough to repopulate with. There you go. Man, that, that's kind of funny because the other day, I, I'm going to go off on a tangent here, but I was looking at someone, I was talking to a friend, and I was like, whatever happened to the dudes from Mythbusters, man? Fucking, I miss Jamie's mustache. I think Jamie is just Andy Reid, though. Like, <laughs> now that I, about it, like I don't know like if you've ever seen two of them, the, the both of them in the same place, but they could be each other. So, Dude, she I is- had never noticed it, and now I can't fucking unsee it. You're never going to get out of your head now. Just like Bill Self's toupee. <laughs> All right. Quite, oh wait, no, I think that's it, right? Anyone this have any honorable mentions? Uh, honorable mentions for the desert island. Uh, I can give you, I can give you all my two that because Quentin and I were pitching this to each other before, and we couldn't decide until like the last second whether we were going to do people you would or wouldn't want to be on the island with. And I have two wouldn'ts that came straight to mind, and one was the Rock on the Nate Robinson theory that the Rock would probably eat me, as would most athletes. I'd be dead. Um, and two was LeVar Ball, because I don't think he'd shut up. He'd still be trying to pitch me some, like, rocks that he found <laughs> on the shore for $700. Uh, LeVar Ball would be a, a rough one. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any wooded. Trying to keep it trying to keep it from the realm of sports, just, just to keep it on topic. Who can I fucking... Oh, Skip Bayless. Would be oh, on my woods. Still on the realm of sports, though. But it'd just be he'd just scream at you about how you were doing everything wrong and you could be it, better. It it would it would be his constant, unnecessarily, like dumb hot takes. Oh man, you could drink the water out of the coconut, but I would try and distill the salt water. Just shut the fuck up, Skip Bayless. He'd be drinking the salt water and then in a delirious state, sunburned on the beach, yelling about how Aaron Rodgers still isn't elite, and then crying for Stephen A. And that would be like his sunset out. I, yeah. I do have one honorable mention of people I wouldn't want to be on the island with me because I feel like I would see a lot of shit that I couldn't unsee, and that would have to be Dennis Rodman. Uh, Dennis would do some freaky shit. You know how many holes are in a coconut? I, like dick in- <laughs> I mean, none, usually. Well, you know what? You got out of yourself. I'm thinking of animated. Well, you know what? 
Dennis Rodman will find a way. Um, oh, I'm sure he would. Uh, you know what? I'm going to add to um, one honorable mention that I can't believe I didn't think of would be Dwight from The Office. I feel like he'd have some wacky way of getting me off the island. Yeah, but I feel like it wouldn't pan out. Oh, no. That's, it, usually, that's, that's the end result of Dwight's plans. Is they... I, feel like, I, feel like, I feel like Liam ne- we, we'd get there and then Liam Neeson would figure out a way to push us over the edge. Probably. Or he'd yeah. kill you all for peace. All yeah, right. that too. All right, that wraps up our starting five segment of people we would want to be stranded on an island with. Uh, Austin, we thank you again for taking the time to fill in. Uh, we bumped you up the interview. We were going to have it a couple weeks from now, but we do appreciate the time you come down talking about RMP wrestling and giving us some insight about the pro world and the streaming service and all that. So we do thank you. We, uh, you probably will be a reoccurring guest down the line, and we wish you the best with that renaissance, buddy. Yeah, man, yeah appreciate it, man. Yeah, like, man, I'll have to luck. come back and actually talk about sports sometime. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you on maybe, like, uh, we can talk, like, NBA playoffs and have you rant about the Nuggets and Rockets. Maybe we'll find them if they're playing each other. We can uh, pin you in a corner about that. But Bro, uh, I, I want nothing more than them to play each other. Um, And I want, if if standing, like, I think it was as of yesterday, the standings were perfect where it would be, uh, it looked like it would be uh, Rockets Nuggets in the second round with the Warriors having a, a tougher path to the Western Conference Finals. Not that they're not going to make it, but as long yeah. as either the Nuggets or the Rockets play the Warriors, I'm great. But I got I got tickets to all the Nuggets home playoff games, however far they go. So I'm going to be pulling right. for the Nuggets. Oh, yeah, man. All right. Again, Austin, thank you very much. Good luck. All right, guys. Take it easy. Keep it going, man. Uh, Yeah, thanks again, Podfather. And that was the interview with Austin Reddick. That interview was sponsored by Swazo Paintings. Swazo Paintings has been painting the Chicagoland area for the last 20 to 25 years. You can contact Raul Swazo, 630-272-2096, for free estimates of interior, exterior, staining cabinets, decks, power washing, removing wallpaper, tile floor, remodeling, drywall repair. Give it a call or email at swazopainting at iCloud.com, 630-272. 2096. So we got the chance to talk to Austin Reddick of RMP Wrestling. We had to bump him up because we had scheduled KV on Pippin, Scotty's nephew, but he decided to fucking flake out. But it's okay, uh, KV on. If you want to come back on, like I said, it's on your terms, but we're done trying to, you know, push that. That's like the third time we've tried pushing that interview and we couldn't get it. So we got Austin Reddick. We got another great interview we're working on right now for this coming weekend with Cole Bennett and Lyrical Lemonade. And you know what else is coming upon us? It's the MLB season that kicks off on Thursday. My Cubs against the Rangers. Uh, I'm not sure when the White Sox play, though. The White Sox also start on Thursday. They got an opening series against the Royals in Kansas City. So uh, we'll see how things go. My boy, my man, Eloy, who we took from you guys, coming across town, gets extended. He's starting. It's exciting, man. It's exciting. Dude, he's good. He's so fucking good. No, he's good. And they got him. For a steal. Quintana sucks, dude. Well, he doesn't suck. He's a 500 pitcher. In the trade, yeah. And I think on the extension, I don't want to call it a steal necessarily because, I mean, the dude was making minor league ball money and now at least has, like, an assured major league contract. But, yeah, bro's, bro's a stud. The White Sox made out like bandits. I mean, Quintana just hasn't been the same since he went to the to Wrigley. But also, talking extensions, 
Kyle Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks gets extended today. Five years, about $55 million with that. It's four years, $55 million with that club option. Uh, he's get, getting about 13 point something, about $14 million a year. I think it was a great deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, I think uh, I think Hendricks is a solid pitcher, man. Good middle of the rotation guy. Always dependable. Been, been good for a couple of years. I, I think it's a good signing by you guys, especially when you've kind of been pitching has been up and down, but really great at times, but also really terrible. I think a model of consistency, someone like that, is something you need in your uh, in your rotation. I mean, it's been crazy, man. What, what are you thinking about this like wave of extensions that we're seeing after the Harper signing? Well, I think it's a good thing. I think these teams are tired of the bullshit and they want to get straight to business. They're like, look, here's your fucking money on the table. You can take it or leave it. We're not playing games with you in the off season. You don't take it now. You can go find something else. That's fine. We don't care. We'll take the money and invest it into other aspects of the team. And a lot of these pitchers are taking the first offers that they can get. Just like Le'Veon Bell, the Steelers offered him a lot more money than what he signed for with the Jets, but he passed up for it and wanted to test his market and he lost it. Now, Bryce Harper and Manny, yeah, they got paid, but it took forever. Nobody knew the market was even slow. We still got free agents out there like Keuchel and Kimbrell who aren't signed. But just today, the Mets offered DeGrom, who signed a five-year, $137 million extension, and he damn well deserves every fucking dollar. I think Chris Sale got five years, 165 too. I mean, we're forgetting the big man, the big tuna, Mike Trout. They oh, dropped dip $430 million on that table, man. That's all guaranteed, too. That- I want. Did you think they just showed up with a fucking briefcase filled with hundreds for the first year of his contract? And, be like, and they're like, here, Mike. Let, take us to the promised land. I don't care if you win a championship, but we will treat you like a fucking god here. And when you're done, you will have your face, your body, whatever you want engraved into the fucking stadium. We, you are our guy. Dude, I mean, they, they <laughs> the fucking, oh my god, I, I thought like mean Joe Green when he like tosses his jersey to the kid. It's just like. The Angels front office just looking at Mike Trout. They're like, hey, kid, catch. But instead, it's a wheelbarrow full of money that they just threw at him. I mean, my God, man. That's so much. Yeah, it is. But, I mean, they they have Otani, who was supposed to be a great star, but he got hurt. You know, he could still hit. Pujols is getting old now, so that money's got to open up. What, where do you think they go from the future? They have to build around Mike Trout. Their pitching isn't great. It hasn't been good since... They had Granky and C.J. Wilson and Jared Weaver, and now all they have is uh, Garrett Richards, I believe, is their best pitcher. I think so. And so you give him all the money. You give Harper the money in Philly. Do you think Philadelphia wins that division over Atlanta? No, I honestly don't. I, I like Atlanta, man. I think they got a perfect mix of um, edgy veterans and young kids who are trying to prove themselves. I think we're going to see continued growth from the young crop of Atlanta talent. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think Atlanta's, I think Atlanta's a favorite here. I really don't think the Philly thing works out. I think the whole thing like implodes with all the egos. You got Andrew McCutcheon, you got Gene Segura. Now you got Bryce Harper. You got J, uh, Jake Arrieta, who's still good. Aaron Nola. And don't, don't sleep on the nationals either. You know, them getting Patrick Corbin, that's probably the best one, two, three combo in the in the NL. You got Scherzer, Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin. Yeah. 
That's true. I mean, they, you, you can't fuck with them on the mound, man. The the Nationals have some lockdown starters. Pitching wins ball games. The Cubs have a good rotation if everybody can stay healthy. I'm expecting anywhere from 15 to 18 wins for John Lester. I'm expecting anywhere from 14 to 18 wins for Cole Hamels. I'm expecting about maybe 13 and 10 from Hendricks, probably 12 and 12 from Quintana, and maybe 8 and 13 or 14 for Darvish. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I com- I completely agree. I mean, I think the, I don't know, man, I, y'all are in a tough division, but uh, I, I think I could see the Cubs doing something good this year. I'm going to make early predictions now. I'm going to say the Cubs win the division. It's going to be close, but the Cubs are going to win the division, and I'm going to say St. Louis beats out Milwaukee for the wild card spot. I think Paul Goldschmidt hits 35-plus home runs this year with 110 RBIs batting that down there in St. Louis. Ozuna with another probably about 30 home runs, 100 RBIs. You're going to get probably about a 285 batting average from Molina and that uh, that uh, relief pitcher is going to be fantastic again for St. Louis. I forget his name. The kid that can throw heat, like 105. The MIA anonymous relief pitcher. Um, uh, I, I don't know, man. Being around the Milwaukee area and the White Sox being down, I kind of felt like an adopted Milwaukee fan for a little bit. So I'm on the Brewers bandwagon there. But... Man, they had some anomaly seasons from guys last year that I don't know if they'll repeat again. I mean, I I, I think their success is going to hinge on Christian Yelich reproducing what he did last year. I think that's 100% what their success is going to ride on. He's you know known now. He's been going off. It's, it's all going to ride on him having continued solid output and putting up big numbers. But I see them edging out the Cardinals. So the baseball season is upon us. It's fun. It's awesome. But also, we got some beef, man. We got some motherfucking beef. Carlos Rodon and the Redline Radio guys, what the fuck? I was just out in Phoenix. You know, I I talked to Carlos one-on-one. I told him about the podcast. He At first, he's like, oh, I don't even know what the fucking podcast is. I was trying to explain to him. I was like, look, you don't have to be anywhere. We do everything over Skype, Ooh, blah, blah, blah. Maybe he just, maybe he got confused. Maybe he thought we were the Redline Radio guys, and then he shows up, and he's like, who the fuck are these 40-year-old guys trying to talk to me about beef and sports? He's like, what the fuck? Yeah, they kind of always talk about beef, dude. I mean, I don't know, man. I guess Carlos Rodon just likes hanging out with 40-year-olds who don't enjoy having any fun and are pretty fucking boring. So if he wants to do that, Carlos, that's fine. When you're ready to step up to the big leagues, give us a call, shoot us an email. We can sort the beef out. We can squash it. Maybe not with Redline, but with you. And let us know. I have nothing to say on the matter because I'm moving past it. I'm, I'm already above it. <laughs> already above it so the mlb season is coming down the line we still got to email kelly Kroll. jesse rogers hasn't gotten back to us yet but i'm sure he will jesse you got to claim your ball guy of the week that you won uh but soft word painting ready for you let's let's move into <laughs> let's move into some segments here our bald guy of the week is sponsored by adventure taxi so y'all you know you're going to the bar you're going to the club. You're going out to have fun. You've already feeling it, you know. Maybe, maybe you're really feeling it if you're having a special night. You're on spring break. You want something to do. Well, we have the cab for you. It's karaoke, DJs, 
They got sound system, everything included. It's all it's all that you could ever want. They have everything at Adventure Taxi. And I am actually losing our phone number here because I cannot see it. So I apologize, Adventure Taxi. But it's at Eric Michaels. You can find them on Facebook. You can find them on social media. Give them a call. Give them a Google. They have the best way to get from point A to party point B. When you're getting your drinking on and you want to do a little country roads, take me home. Maybe you're feeling sad. Maybe you do a little uh, My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. That's one of my favorites. Or you just do tequila where you stand up there and say tequila. Either way, check out Adventure Taxi. Get your drink on. Maybe a little tequila on with some tequila, but not in the car. Uh, yeah, hit them up on Facebook. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go to Bald Guy of the Week. And my Bald Guy of the Week is my man, Taco Fall. God damn, you beautiful bastard, you. Seven six, <laughs> taller than I would, man. I don't even know, dude. There's no one that's taller than that guy. I mean, he looks like a grown adult, like you or I, playing basketball on the little the little Tykes hoop with like a bunch of three year olds and like just being able to hold the ball above their head and you can get away from them. I mean, dude's a beast. Much loved Taco Fall, our bald guy of the week. We'll try to get him a Microsoft Word painting sent out. Yeah, I mean, I'm still waiting for the last one for for uh, Brad Coons. <laughs> so moving straight down the list from the bald guy of the week. Uh, before we get into some other ones, I got to ask you, have you ever heard of this Temptation Island? I'm going to take a guess here and try and guess from your Snapchats what this uh, show is about. And then you can tell me how close I am. So the Temptation Island... Looks like there's a very attractive woman, and it was something with maybe uh, a significant other. And I'm gonna guess that um, her boyfriend can't do anything. Like maybe they have to go celibate or something for a month. I watched some of the previews for it, uh, but so it's it's a giant cuck sesh. Okay. It's a giant fucking cuck sesh, and it's like six or seven couples that are going through problems, and they're all on this island, and they all end up like hooking up with each other's spouses and it's a giant cuck it's a giant cuck and everyone starts crying because he just got cucked by her and she just got cucked by this dude and the host of the show gets cucked by everybody because they're all cucking each other and it's 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 a trip it is a trip it's like the bachelor x-rated it doesn't show anything of course you know because it's on like usa or whatever but it's called temptation island it should just be called the cuck I mean, didn't they didn't they do a show? Sorry, I'm currently changing out jewel pods, so my mic is sinking on me. Uh, isn't didn't they already do like a show on MTV about that, where it was like a couples retreat show, and like they had to see like there was like eight people in the house, and they had to like try yeah. and find like their significant other, and like see if like yeah they that and so they just like stole it. Yeah, it, it was called Jersey Shore. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. It was the Italian Jersey Shore, and it was all the Italians cucking each other. No, this was another. No, they weren't supposed to be together. Quote unquote. This, no, no, no. This show just like this was a completely different show. This was something else. Anyway, Temptation Island. It's a giant cuck. I just I didn't know if you had seen it or not. But I also wanted to ask you too. Uh, 
I, I think I want to cash in one of my seventh wonders of the world. Ooh, okay, okay. Okay, um, well, so far, for the everyone listening, the seven wonders of the world, we haven't done this in a couple weeks. We each get seven wonders of the world this year in 2019 of sports-related or any sort of big accomplishment or anything like that that takes place that we want to cash in to use. We only get seven, so we got to choose wisely. At first, I chose the double doink, Cody Parkey and the Bears. Then you chose the softball player who hit the home run cycle, uh, a solo shot, a two-run, a three-run, and then the Grand Slam, all home runs in the same game. Now, I want to cash in my second wonder of the world. I don't know if you saw the video, but there was a motorcycle race in Costa Rica, and the motorcycle guy crashes into another motorcycle guy but while his bike is trying to fall away he saves himself by hopping onto this other guy's bike and holding himself up while the other bike spirals out of control so the one biker actually saved this dude from serious injury and they come to a halt and the guy who crashed into him that was holding on stands up looks at him and then swings on him and punches him in the face it was some legit grand theft auto shit and I thought it was the he was like you fucking bastard you made me crash into you type shit and it was hilarious. Okay, so the first thing I thought of when you said that is I wanted to hear that that ended up like some Ricky Bobby type shit where they like they both <laughs> crashed and they were both in first and second and they both get off the bike and try to run to the finish to see who can win but instead the guy just punched him so that kind of ended that. I can't believe this dude tried to like swing on the guy that like just was trying to save himself. Like it's not like the guy in the back. Well, I guess he slowed him down. He was trying to get him off, but still. I mean, damn. So what what wound up happening with that? Did they just like both get disqualified, or did did it just go on? Uh, give me a second. I'm about to send you the video via link. Give him. He was like, <laughs> it was like with your bike with your friends. He's like, yo, bro. <laughs> it was a day ago. It happened a day ago. I just sent you the video. You should be able to click on the link and watch it. Okay. It was fucking hilarious, dude. You'll see why I had to use a wonder of the world. Okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll go to look. I mean, dude, I was going to say it's like when your buddy would like have the pegs on their like little bike and you'd ask if you could like if they could peg you. And I just thought, wow, in 2019, you could not say that phrase because in no way, shape or form is there a way to spin that that you're like, yeah, bro, you want to peg me? It doesn't work like that. <laughs> God damn it, America. Okay. You watching the video? I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna give it a check out now. Obviously things are going along really great here. Okay. I'm gonna narrate this as I go through it. Bro, what the fuck's the Guardian doing with sports? That's interesting. Uh I also have no wonders of the world. I was thinking about doing the UCF ball that um like the rim being my wonder of the world that for whatever reason, just prevented the UCF ball from going in to beat Duke. Okay, so this dude just got... Oh, shit. Oh, oh no. It was the guy that jumped on the guy's back. Dude. <laughs> Damn, he kind of just sucker punched him and then walks away. <laughs> <laughs> shit was hilarious. Damn, he... I don't know what was going on there, dude. Something happened. So that, that was my second one year of the world that I had to give a shout out to... The professionals of the motorbike racing because I thought that was just funny as hell. <laughs> Dude threw a couple punches and then uh, just kind of ran off. 
he like so casually like swerves in between like four other bikes that are trying to like speed past him too as he's trying to walk off the track. Okay, big wonder, big wonder. So, other than that, segment wise, no Fanny Mills yet. Yeah, everybody go if you want to. If you, if you have any questions, if you have suggestions for guests who you'd like to see us get on the show, if you just have any emails, anything you send us, we'll choose a couple of them and we'll read out. Uh, whatever it is, email us at uh, official section three one two at gmail dot com, or you can DM us at uh, our Twitter o section three one two. The Facebook page is section three one two official, and the Instagram page is official section three one two. You can also go on our YouTube page, go subscribe where we post videos of the people that we interview go like our pages go follow us on apple Podcasts, spotify tune in wherever you get your uh podcast from and i think that wraps up this week's show if i'm not mistaken i got uh a little bit of news that i wanted to get to oh breaking news let's get it it's not breaking it's been it's been a day so it's 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 fresh it's fresh news not breaking news you know it's, it's been it's been fermenting for a little well, bit. i have i have breaking news so i have breaking news so Conor McGregor retired from oh, UFC. Oh, that's your... Okay, okay. We'll go that route. Conor McGregor, I'm, I'm calling bullshit right now. I don't even want to start talking about anything about Conor McGregor being retired until I see that man not doing anything and committing to it because that dude is just trying to sell this fight in July. No, he's retired. I don't buy it. I do oh, not. I do. I do, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why right now. Two words. You ready? Yeah. Vince McMahon. Bro, you think Vince McMahon's just going to go around recruiting Gronk and Conor McGregor? Maybe she's just have them fight each other to begin with. You know how much money that would bring in? Oh, I know. That's all I got to say about that. But I also have some more breaking news. Okay. Lonzo Ball covered up his big baller brand tattoo with a pair of dice. Oh. Ooh. That, now that. That is some. That is that is that is news. Yes. Really? When did that come across? Is that in the feed? An hour ago. Okay. Well, I mean, that's crazy considering the whole Lavar Ball situation. Man, Lonzo's getting fucked up. I mean, it seems like there's a serious rift there, dude. I did not know that he like covered it up. It seems like he's really turning his back on that. Yeah, I know. It's he's ready to move away from it. His father won't shut the fuck up and he almost got him kicked out of LA. If Lonzo, you got to stop sucking on your dad's nipple right now. And you got to be a grown fucking man and be like, dad, look, it was cool back in high school when you were doing all this shit. It was all right in college. You know, the people were following, they were getting along, but now I'm a grown man and you're trying to run my fucking life still. Nah. All right. You didn't even average two points in college. Let me play for the fucking Lakers. I mean, I don't even think it has to do with that, right? Like, I think it was good until, you know, your company that you're paying all of your money for, you know, or a huge chunk of your rookie contract just goes missing because somebody takes it. And that's like the brand that your father was trying to help build with you. I mean, that that's when it gets shitty, right? Like a close family friend. I mean, obviously, it's not LeVar Ball's fault that this happened, but it definitely uh, it definitely would cause some tension, right? I mean, I couldn't imagine that shit. Yeah, I think at this point, man... I think he's just trying to save face to try and stay on the Lakers. I mean, I think he knows he's like trade mate right now too. I think you got to do everything you can to show that you're past that. Yeah. So, all right, that wraps it up for this week's show. Feel free to 
contact us, email us. We'll be back next week, like I said. With right now, right now it's potentially an interview with Cole Bennett and the the host and founder of Lyrical Lemonade. All right, guys. Thanks for sitting in Section 312. We will be talking to you guys next week. See ya. Bye, everybody.